Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Mike Rosenberg from Columbia Credit Union. Mike says they trust what they see and hear on OPB, and that aligns with Columbia Credit Union's brand. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. A new union is coming to the University of Oregon. It's made up of student workers like resident assistants, dining hall employees, and other undergraduate positions. It follows successful unionizing efforts at a handful of private schools across the country, but it's the first one at a public institution. May Bracelin is studying political science in her second year at the U of O. Noah Thompson is a fifth-year political science major. They both work in dining halls, and they are both organizers with the UO Student Workers Union. I talked to them a few days ago. I asked Noah what the first spark was for the unionizing effort. I mean, about two years ago at this point, uh, a number of us who are student workers and were upset with uh, the poor working conditions got together and talked about what improving campus working conditions would look like for us and for our fellow students. And uh, through research coming out of that, we determined that uh, unionizing is the best way to secure wins for us and and for our fellow student workers. And we got trained up on on how to do that. And the the rest of the two years is history. You're you're encapsulating a lot of of hard work, I imagine, in those in those two years. But <laughs> what were the the workplace issues that were top of mind for you when you started this? I mean, the, the first thing, and this is something that touches on almost any student that is working to get by, is wages. When I started, I think I was getting paid uh, $13.50 an hour, which was a minimum wage at the time. Um, that's the case for a lot of people. But that minimum wage hits especially hard when your, your hours are capped um, because as student workers, we can only work up to 25 hours a week. And when you're you're busy with school the other half of your time, it's not easy to pick up a second job. Um, and obviously the kind of the pressures of the economy over the past two years have been really harsh. So wages were a big one. Also widespread uh, discrimination, harassment without much uh, recourse for student workers was something we were seeing for queer students, for students of color. Um, and the university wasn't taking those issues very seriously. Uh, so we decided that we were going to do that and, and fight to improve things. Those are the big widespread issues. And of course, every student worker faces unique issues in their workplace, but our goal is to address as much as we can with that union. Yeah, if I can add one more in. Please um, do. One issue that I think like pretty much every student worker on campus feels is the pay period. Um, so we, everybody at the University of Oregon is paid on a four week schedule, which works fine if you have like a nice tidy salary, but does not work as well if you're making like Noah said, 1350. So like that doesn't obviously, obviously doesn't line up with rent and with the utilities and all those expenses. So probably one of the things we hear the most is we need a two week pay period. Yeah. Can you explain, I mean, obviously that that is separate from, although everything is, is connected in terms of the, the overall sort of lumped together desires of students and needs of students, but, um, but what difference would it make in someone's life if they got paid every two weeks, half of, of, of the current four-week paycheck, as opposed mm-hmm. to every four weeks? W- what might that mean? I mean... No, uh, yeah. uh, I mean, this is something that that when you are making as little as student workers make, when you have such frequent expenses, it just lines up better. We, we're, we talked to many student workers who, you know, 
right before their paycheck, they were really scrounging by on eating, waiting to get groceries. Um, and if they had access to their pay a little bit earlier, it really would, you know, change the conditions of their life on a week to week basis, which is what the kind of basis that we as student workers live off of. I also want to add that the one severe, one kind of severity of the pay period is that while we were paid once a month, that pay is on a six week delay. So say I'm working mid November, I don't see that money until the end of December. Um, that's really harsh. Uh, we think that that potentially breaks labor law. Um, we don't have that kind of legal power to fight that. Um, but we did want to fight it with union power. And it's especially harsh when people first start because you can be starting a student worker job and not be seeing any money for, for a month and a half. And a lot of people go through that and it's, it's conditions that we think are pretty unacceptable. May, yeah. one of the issues that, that Noah mentioned was harassment. What have mm-hmm. you heard from fellow employees, fellow students, other organizers about what they've experienced? Yeah. Um, so harassment is one of the most like talked about issues as a workplace grievance. We've seen examples of sexual harassment from managers to student workers. We've seen examples of like transphobic harassment, constant misgendering, even when like there is obviously effort to like address that. Um, we've seen examples of like racist, xenophobic harassment. Um, pretty much like everything you can think of, every type of harassment you can think of is like happening in our workplaces. And we hope that by like negotiating a contract that has stronger, hardier anti-harassment protections, better protections in general for student workers, um, regardless of their status, that we can fight back against that. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm curious add, if, if I could just dig into that. Um, yeah. um, obviously, what, what you're talking about, th- there's different levels of federal or state law um, that would f- fall under this. But a mm-hmm. lot of what you're talking about is already against the law. I- I'm curious what you think the, the new uh, – assuming that um, the union vote is is ratified, which seems – I mean the numbers yeah. are, are so – overwhelming that it it would be a real surprise if that weren't going to happen. So assuming this all goes forward, what extra protections do you think being unionized will provide? Well, first off, there's a pretty large gap between the law, what is meant to be happening, and what is actually happening in our workplaces. Um, We've seen our sister union on examples of what we could like bargain for. We've seen our sister union uh, GTFF recently bargained for workplace misgendering protections. Um, the University of Oregon tried to kind of say that, like, it's a religious freedom to be able to misgender your coworkers or your, like, employees. Um, and the GTFF was able to soundly defeat that idea. So it's more about bringing up, like, standards to where the law ensures that they have to be by building up, like, solidarity and power among workers and then going a step further to make sure that our workers are safe from harassment in their workplaces by that type of anti-harassment measures, by um, specific rules in the workplaces that like make this type of stuff unacceptable, I especially just, when it's coming down from managers. I should just give uh, folks just for the answer. The GTFF, that's a Graduate Teaching Fellows yes. Federation, um, which is, is what it sounds like for for graduate students um, who are a part of, of teaching college right now. 
Um, I, I, I should also just remind folks, if you are just tuning in, we're talking about the successful unionizing effort among student workers at the University of Oregon who voted overwhelmingly to unionize at the end of October. May Bracelin is a sophomore at the U of O and one of the organizers. Noah Thompson is an organizer as well. He is in his fifth year at the U of O. Noah, I've seen reports of earlier unionizing efforts at smaller private schools. Students at Harvard actually had the were voting at the same time as you. But has there been a successful student union effort at another large public university like the U of O? Um, to our knowledge, there hasn't been, and I'm pretty sure that we would know. So we knew from the start when we set the groundwork for unionizing two years ago that this was avant-garde, that this was something that people haven't done before, um, except in those small private liberal arts colleges. Um, but we knew that the, the task was something that we were ready to take on, that uh, student workers were uh, widely pro-union and, and fed up with their working conditions and ready to make a change. And all it took was uh, a group of people dedicated enough um, to organize workers, and we did that independently without the help of a larger union, into this uh, near 4,000-person union at a public college. And we hope to be the first domino to fall Uh as we see uh, student workers at the California state schools uh, start to unionize and we're in talks with other um, private drives that aren't yet public um, on unionizing their colleges. Well, where did you turn for guidance? I mean, the big one is uh, the Graduate Teaching Fellows Federation. That is our graduate student worker union on campus. They've been around for, for 50 years at this point. They were the second or third graduate student worker union to be certified in the entire country. Um, and they deal with similar issues with us. We both have uh, student working populations. We both have high turnover in our workplaces relative to other unionized industries. Um, and they were definitely uh, very happy to support. But we also turned to those small private liberal arts colleges mm -hmm. and the organizers that, that made those drives happen um, for advice. Obviously, the situations don't map one to one. But it really is something where the people that are, are committing to make these changes know how long it takes. They know that many of us will graduate and not see the benefits of, the, of a union. Um, and so they're really willing to just do what they think is right and help unionize their campuses and help unionize other campuses through advice, teaching, skill sharing, those kinds of things. You know, May, one of the issues uh, that Noah just brought up is, is this question of, of turnover. You're mm -hmm. a sophomore. Um, Noah is, is, is a fifth year. I mean, my assumption here is that the union is likely to have new membership and, and new leadership every four, maybe five years. Yeah. What's your strategy for handling that? So that is like one of the biggest problems that undergraduate and graduate student worker unions have to deal with. And there are a couple ways of addressing it. Um, a big one is just preserving that institutional knowledge. Um, mm -hmm. So having a staff organizer or somebody who can just like stick around the area and make sure that whoever the new leadership is, whoever is eventually going to replace us, knows about what we did, knows the organizing um, like skills that we have, and make sure that the information, the resources that we created um, and that we learned is passed on to a new generation of union activists, union organizers. But I do want to kind of look I think there's another way of looking at this question of turnover, and that is every four years, 
yes, we are losing people, but we are turning out skilled union organizers into the workforce. So we hope to have some sort of reciprocal relationship with the rest of higher education unionism and especially just the rest of the labor movement um, by training these skilled organizers and then sending them out into wherever they go next, whether that be education, it be logistics, it be research. Um, yeah. Hmm. Well, sticking with that, I'm curious what advice both of you would have, but maybe May first for students at other schools who want to follow your lead? Yeah, uh, I think the first thing I would say is that unionizing is fun and easy and you should do it. Uh, <laughs> Wait a minute. a bit of a joke. Okay, but, okay. Yeah, okay. Joke. there we are. Okay. But I'm curious. I don't think it's easy. I, I don't imagine yeah. that. But, but has there been anything fun about this? 100%. Yeah. I mean, I started organizing as a freshman and it's pretty undeniable that like a lot of the people that I've got really close with, a lot of the social circles that I've built up are people from the union, are my coworkers, are my fellow organizers. Um, that's really who I hang out with like most of the time. <laughs> we do actually have quite a bit of fun. I know that we're like organizers, but we are still college students. So, I mean, so worker solidarity has turned into social solidarity yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a big part of a union is building that sort of sense of community. Hmm. Uh -huh. Noah, what about you? What advice would you, I, 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 I've been using the, the, the tense would, but I suppose it's, it's <laughs> are, what, what advice are you giving to other students mm -hmm. around the country? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, of little minute advice for the tiny little situations that you might run into day to day. But my broad scope advice for people is, yeah, this is difficult and it takes a lot of commitment, but we are not anomalous. We're not um, uniquely skilled. This is something that uh, young people are ready to do. Uh, young workers are ready to unionize and people should be confident in their ability to make that happen with that degree of commitment. I'd also keep in mind that, um, you know, unlike traditional union organizing efforts, we've got a unique element to the kind of people that we're looking to organize, which is that they're students. Many of them see themselves as students first and unions um, could potentially be a path to address uh, issues in higher education broadly, whether it's tuition, book costs, uh, kind of mm -hmm. uh, weak labor market market coming out of school. Um, so keep those issues in mind as something that you can organize around. Well, and that's, just that's actually, on, if I could just, uh, I want to make sure I understand what you're saying. It is a basic idea that if student worker unions become more common around the country and more powerful around the country, that you would have a stronger voice to actually leverage, say, with the threat of a strike, things like tuition increases, the things that, that are not technically a part of union negotiations. Yeah, absolutely. This is called bargaining for the common good. It's difficult because, uh, you know, employers aren't manda mandated to bargain over these issues that address broader people. But it is something that you can look at these uh, smaller unions across the country and see them laying the seeds for uh, Dartmouth student workers one mm -hmm. uh, raises tied to tuition increases. So I believe every percent uh, that tuition increases, workers yep. get a half a percent raise. And of course, that only affects workers in the short term. But in the long term, um, and this is what a lot of us who got together to organize in the first place were considering, um, the issues of higher education aren't going to be fixed by 
people asking for it. It takes real power and power comes from the hands of workers in the workplace. So if we really want to, to improve higher education, which many of us do, many of us feel the effects of declining quality of higher education, uh, a strike threat is a big part of that and it's something that we're considering, even if it might take many, many years to build up uh, unions strong enough to make those sorts of demands. May, what's the the, sh- the short or medium term time frame right now? Assuming the state's Employment Relations Board certifies the election results, yes. w- what are the next steps and, and what is it going to take before you can actually be doing collective bargaining you know, f- for all of the student workers? Yeah. Um, well, really, the next step is that collective bargaining. Um, we got our certification like receipt pretty much back on the 7th. We are now a official real Mm -hmm. certified union. Um, So what that means is in the short term, we need to start building up our structures and our organizing committees into a way, into a system that can get workers more easily engaged, more easily protected in their workplaces. We need to start reaping the benefits of certification, which looks like being able to have a union representative at um, worker orientations and access to a lot of like payroll information and um, like inside worker information. Um, But first step is get workers engaged, figure out what their grievances are, come Mm -hmm. up with a plan for bargaining, and then then we just sit down with the University of Oregon and we tell them what we want. And we're looking (laughs) to start that um, January at the soonest to set ground rules for bargaining. And we can't say how long it will take, but that's Mm -hmm. our initial timeline. You know, I just want to turn in the time we have left to to the – Biggest picture here. The Center for American Progress has reported that Gen Z, meaning people born after 1997, um, it's the most pro-union generation alive today. They've also shown mm-hmm. that, that Gen Zers and millennials, so one generation up, are more pro-union now than older generations were when they were the same age, you mm-hmm. know, when, when, when it was 20 or 30 or 50 years ago. How do you both explain that? Noah, first, I mean, what do you think is happening? Yeah, um, I think that there's a a very clear um, kind of thought pattern in our generation, which is that many people do not especially believe in the American dream anymore. We don't believe that out of college we'll be getting solid upper middle class jobs, which will allow us to afford a home, to support a family. and, you know, the data reflects that, that, that uh, the economic circumstances for people our age are quite poor. Higher education costs are incredibly high in tandem with higher education degrees being worth less than they used to be. Um, and there's also the looming threat of climate change and, and general economic decline. Uh, I think that young people see that. They see that a change is necessary. And they also look back and they see the decline in the strength of labor over the past 50, 60, 70 years and see that that when things were really good for people or when the the American labor movement was strong and we want to rebuild that and get our just desserts and fight against the increase in privatization, corporatization, um, to try to make the changes that are necessary. Um, And I think that that history and the facts of history support that as an option. And I think that's especially poignant post-COVID as people saw the necessity of workers and also the, the severeness of the economy. And you see that that resurgence in the labor movement, not just among young people, but um, with the Teamsters, with the UAW, with the UC strikes in California. Um, we are returning to a more militant labor movement that we're happy to be a part of and happy to support. 
May Bracelin, any last words? Yeah. I mean, our generation came to age in the 2008 recession. We know what like not having money feels like. We know what poverty feels like. Um, there is like a big social dynamic too. Since we've seen like the COVID-19 pandemic, we've just seen like a growing amount of unrest in the United States, in the world. Um, and I think people are identifying unions and workers as a vehicle for change. And I think that our generation is kind of clinging on to that idea, that hope for change, because the way that things have been for our entire lives, for the lives of our generation, it's not sustainable. It's not working out for us. It's only working out for a couple of like, you know, rich CEOs. Um, so I think people are looking for change um, in a way that they previously were not. May Bracelin and Noah Thompson, thanks very much for joining us. Yes, thank you. Appreciate it. Have a good one. May Bracelin is in her second year studying political science at the University of Oregon. Noah Thompson is a fifth-year political science major. We spoke to them a couple days ago. <laughs> 